When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Equity of up to one hundred and fifty million pounds. You're not the theatre, fun. You're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining us. It is episode 93, another World Cup edition somewhat, I guess, I suppose, of the Depot. Uh, no Spurs game to talk about, but plenty of Spurs news and, and banter to go around. Uh, Scott is with us from South Texas still, still visiting with the folks. Scotty, what's going on with you, man? Um, man, relaxing down in the Rio Grande Valley, like you said, and Waking up every day and catching at least three World Cup matches. I haven't haven't been getting up for that four a.m. But you know, knowing that seven a.m. onwards, I get to watch watch the World Cup has been pretty fantastic. So doing well. Yeah, it's not a bad bit. Uh, Caroline is also with us, and and you know, not as high on the World Cup, kind of like me. But we're we're still poking around at it, right? We're still we're still watching some of it and enjoying Richarlison things, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, you know, still watching, not really wanting to talk about the games, but I think I may have to be a bit of a hypocrite and break that rule to talk about Richarlison because um, he had me hooting and hollering, as Dakota would say. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, let's let's call an audible. We were going to talk a little bit USA England, but let's start with talking about Richarlison because it brings us so much joy. Richarlison scores a brace for Brazil uh, and that second goal, my goodness, uh, it, it was one of those goals that honestly gets you up off your couch or up off your chair and just fills you with so much damn joy. Um, seeing that guy and what he's, he's done uh, in the first game for Brazil in B- they beat Serbia, right? That was the, who they were playing. Uh, ho- holy crap. Like what, a, what a joy to watch Richarlison do what he did and kind of, you know, Neymar goes down for Brazil and you're, everyone's like, Oh my goodness, what's going to happen to Brazil now? Uh, Richarlison's going to happen, right? Yeah, and it's just nice to see it uh, happening for a player who, you know, I think really deserves his success. He's he's a great person, and we know how much it meant to him that he was able to get fit for this World Cup at the last minute almost. Um, and just, you know, to see him not just getting to play, but really announcing himself as like Brazil's, you know, number nine solid option, I think is fabulous. Um you know, as, as Spurs fans, we would like to see him like scoring some Premier League goals sometime soon. <laughs> but the fact that he's had, you know, this fantastic brace in the World Cup and also that brace in the Champions League game earlier in the season, you know, he's he's some player. There's no denying it. 
it is pretty wild that he gets his first two Champions League goals and then his first two World Cup goals, and he's still yet to score in the Premier League for Spurs. But uh, we do hope that that is coming in the second part of the season. Scott, I think the really cool thing about this, too, is that people are, you know, people on the global stage who didn't really either Americans who don't really watch a lot of soccer but are paying attention because it's the World Cup or or people elsewhere in the world are learning more about Richarlison, the person who I think we as Spurs fans have all come to know and love over the last few months since he joined the club in the summer. And I think that getting to know Richarlison, the person off the pitch, is just as cool as getting to see what he's doing on the pitch, right? No, he's hands down my favorite player at Tottenham. You guys know that. And, uh, and I'm not, this is not in jest at all when I say this, but a huge part of that is I know wholeheartedly that I can support him fully, you know, and I don't have to, to have any sort of feelings about doing so. He's fucking awesome and <clears throat> great dude, fantastic footballer. I couldn't be happier. It could have happened to a better guy. That is, there was a time where I thought Robin Van Persie's diving header was the greatest goal I've ever seen in a, in a World Cup, and now Richarlison's goal is right up there with it. And and I was I had one eye on the game yesterday. I've, I've been with my folks, right, so we're bouncing around a little bit, and I saw the finish, but I didn't see the touch that he that he played to himself before the finish and i you guys know like four hours after that goal i finally saw that touch and just like shit myself in the chat right i had i have i have i don't know if i've ever seen a better goal considering what the type of game and the magnitude that it was scored in and it uh it it's it kind of it's it's the type of goal that's going to make me forget about delhi's goal against crystal palace pretty quickly and and that's also not in jest when I say that, right? It was just a fantastic goal. So, again, very happy for Richarlison. His family was stoked. Um, and I'll tell you what, that poses, a, you know, a really good problem for Conte because somebody coming back after scoring that type of goal at the World Cup is full of confidence, and that person needs to be on the field, right? So very good thing for, for Todd and if, if we want to tie it back to, to, to the ethos of this podcast, right? Yeah, and while the goals didn't come quite as late as they did for him, for him in the Champions League against Marseille, it kind of had that same feel, like tight game, a lot of pressure building for you know the club that's supposed supposed to win the game, Brazil versus Tottenham against against Marseille in that Champions League game, and the goals coming in in quick succession for his brace, it, it just it had a similar feel, at least for me, to that to that Champions League game. Like I said, they, the goals didn't come as late uh, as they did for Brazil. Um, in, in this world cup game, but it was still just, it had that kind of feel to it. Like, Oh, here comes Richarlison to just put his rubber stamp on this match. Um, and it was really yeah, cool well, to see. Yeah. And to both of your points, that's, that's just the importance of scoring goals for a striker. Cause he picks up that, that rebound goal early in the match, not a rebound goal is a great finish, right? But he picking up the trash as, as myself, the hockey player would call that, right? He put that away and that, that builds the confidence to allow him to score that second goal. He doesn't, he doesn't have the audacity to try that if he doesn't put that first goal in the back of the net. Right. So an audacity is a very positive word in this, in this case, right. It was, it was, you you have to be brimming with confidence to even try that. in that first goal, I think is the reason he did that. So to both of your points, Richarlson keep putting the ball in the back of the net and he's, it's going to be a really exciting second half of the season for us Spurs fans. Yeah, I think audacity is actually a really good word to use in this case because he was getting some flack uh, from, let's just say Arsenal fans, we'll be honest about who it was, uh, saying that he you know, was lacking that Brazilian flair. And I think he 
shut them all up pretty pretty soundly. Definitely, definitely. I mean, Richarlison <clears throat> does not get enough credit. The three of us know this very well. I think, you know, he went to Watford, and that's whatever, was very good at Watford very quickly. Everton snapped him up, and I think, you know, especially for the person getting into soccer right now, Everton doesn't look like it's a great place to be, but it was when they bought Richarlison, right? They were buying up everybody, and they were on the brink of European European football. Um, and, and, you know, all this is to say he's very fucking good, and there's a reason that he's at Tottenham now and, and scoring these types of goals in the World Cup, right? And to, to, I, I, you know, I'll stop after this, but you guys have already alluded to this, but you're Brazil's, you're Brazil's striker. You're very fucking talented, right? That is, that is a country that's always going to carry the best of any position on the field, you know, in, at least in, in some argument fashion, right? So, yeah, he's, he's Brazil's striker, so I would expect him to continue to keep scoring goals. Well, and to, to Caroline's point, too, it, it was kind of funny that uh, about five or six minutes after Richarlison scored that second goal, who came on for him as a sub? Gabriel Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> so he's just coming in to, to kind of clean up and, and mop up afterwards, which is, uh, is, is kind of funny to me as well. It's, it's, all, it's all really good banter. So um, Brazil leading their group, look good. Number one team in the world by FIFA rankings, good for them. Uh, Hope Richarlison does many things, and more importantly, uh, most importantly for me, stays healthy as a Spurs fan. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of leads us into what I want to talk about next, which is coming out of that USA England game, which was obviously a big deal for everyone here in the states, where we know most of our listeners are. Everyone over in England, of course, was probably where we have the second most listeners. Um, uh, a, a goalless draw, which I think is a good result for the U.S. men's national team. Probably a little bit of a disappointing effort for England. They're the higher-ranked team. They're, I think, for all intents and purposes, the better team, the more talented team. But um, I thought the U.S. played really well in this game. This game was really hyped up here in the States. It was, you know, played on the afternoon of Black Friday. A lot of people off work, uh, day after Thanksgiving. Um, So just a a lot surrounding this game. But as a Spurs fan watching this game coming out of it, my biggest thing is, holy crap, Harry Kane looks awful. Uh, He looks like he really does have an injury. Um, There was a lot of rumor early in the week that he was getting some scans done on his ankle. A lot of rumors after the game that it's heavily taped up, that he's battling through it. Um, But boy, did he just look a step off. And, and, and I don't want to say he looked, he still did a few Harry Kane things, but he just looks a step slow and he looked very, very containable for guys like Tim Ream and Walker Zimmerman, which is saying something if you ask me um harry kane is a, a, a quite a level above both of those guys so I, what are our concerns about harry kane right now just as an individual i think we all had kind of concerns about injuries coming into this world cup but my goodness like i i hope that guy's ankle heals magically um not for england's sake I, good for them but like for tottenham hotspur's sake because in a month uh literally one month from today as we're recording this on november 26th that's when Tottenham's next game is, December 26th. So I want him to be healthy for that. W- w- what are we feeling about Harry Kane right now, Caroline? My concern about Harry Kane as an individual is that he is an individual with a capital I. He's the kind of player that, you know, he will play even if he's not 100% fit. I mean, I'm sure there's something that goes into it with the medical staff having to okay him to play. But I... I think he does have quite a bit of pull, not just at Tottenham, um, as we've seen with him hardly ever missing any games or any minutes. 
Um, but also with England, you know, being the captain, I understand they want him to play as much as possible, but you kind of have to question Southgate's decision or acquiescence, I guess it might've been. Um, because in this scenario, you know, I don't think England needed a win. A draw was acceptable for them from their perspective in the table. And yeah, I think risking Harry was, was foolish, not just for, you know, England's long-term chances in the tournament, but also Harry's chances with the rest of his career this year, which involves his club. And and maybe this is selfish of me as a Spurs fan, but if England were going to play the, the way that they did against Team USA yesterday and kind of sit back and pass the ball amongst their center backs a lot and, you know, Harry Maguire, credit to him, he had a good game, but like there was a lot of passing between the defense yesterday for England. If they were going to do that, why not throw Callum Wilson in there and let him run around and see if he can make a difference? Um, and again, I know Harry Kane's the captain. He's levels above Callum Wilson even, but man, it just didn't seem like that was the game. If they weren't going to go after it and really try and score um, and push the pace against the U.S., why not throw someone else in there? Because Kane just looked really hobbled, didn't he, Scott? He did. I mean, he, did, he didn't look great. Callum Wilson is very talented and is scoring goals right now, for sure. So I don't think there isn't an argument that Callum Wilson, you know, could have done a better job. But I also think, to Harry's credit, I don't think England played well at all. I think the the I looked at the midfield, right, where games were always won and lost. And it's funny to me because pundits do want to discuss that games are won and lost in the midfield, but then don't want to discuss the midfield towards the result ever, right? It's always the goals and then the defense. You, England was outplayed in the midfield, and I don't think that should be a surprise. Adams, McKinney, and Musa are very talented midfielders, all three of them very talented. Eunice Musa could play for England easily. He would be on that squad arguably, right? Um, yeah, we talented. even heard some of that from Gareth Southgate earlier yeah. in the week, kind of lamenting so, the fact that he wasn't playing for England. Right, and I don't, I don't think this is off at all to say Rice, Mount, and Bellingham are not as talented as the United States midfield, pound for pound. Bellingham's young. He's very talented. He's young, right? He has no experience in, in this situation. Declan Rice is good. Mason Mount, I don't know. If you put Phil Foden with those two, pound for pound, they're a better midfield than the United States probably because Phil Foden is world class. That might be Greg Berhalter, who I'm not an apologist of, just outmanaging Gary Southgate, right? Straight up. But... The United States midfield beat the shit out of England. And so I don't think all this is to say Kane did not have enough behind him for us to put this on him. And I'm not saying that we are. He looks knackered, but I think a different approach from England sees Harry Kane get a goal against the United States and things look different. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna leave the the Greg Burhalter praise like on the table there. I don't want to, I don't want to jump in there, but that is a, that is a wild, uh, wild way to frame that. Not something that I had really thought about. I think the talent level was definitely, I think, I think that's where the U S has been praised is for their midfield, obviously. Um, and it kind of leads me into what I want to talk about next, because everyone knows that Weston McKinney is not only a man that formerly played under Antonio Conte, but might even be a target come January for Spurs. So what, what are the prospects of that? Because I look, I love all three of those midfielders for, for the U.S. men's national team. I think they're I think that is obviously the strength of that team. 
Um, and I would take any one of them, frankly, on Spurs, Tyler Adams and Eunice Musa included. But McKinney right now is the guy that I think a lot of folks are targeting. And it's funny, I, I, I was reading, uh, you know, I, I got I'll admit I got in the comments a little bit today on Twitter because um, I was curious as to some opinions of Weston McKinney. And there's a lot of English opinions out there that are, oh, he's just an American American player brushing it brushing off but I think and and we're obviously biased here because we are the three of us are American we've seen Weston McKinney kind of grow from from MLS all the way over to playing in the Bundesliga and now playing in Syria uh, with Juventus and I think this dude could play at the Premier League level I really do um what what do we think about the uh, the prospect and this is kind of not something that's new Weston McKinney to Spurs has been talked about but I think it's really catching some heat now. What do we think about the prospect of, of Weston McKinney in Lillywhite? Well, you know, I, I know we've had the debate internally in our group chat a few times about how exactly you define a dynamic player. But for me, McKinney is a player that fits that bill. And I think he would just provide a spark that we're really lacking at Tottenham. You know, at times you can just be a little too formulaic and, you know, some of that is just the Conte style. But having McKinney, at least as an option, I think would be huge in terms of being a little more nimble, um, especially in some of those games against the teams that, you know, are going to play that low block and we, we struggle against. And with him being at Juventus, it's obviously there's going to be a connection with Paratici having those connections. And, you know, this is a transfer rumor that, that I don't think we should dismiss out of hand. Because, you know, there's actual weight behind it. And I think I'm, you know, one of the less enthusiastic members of the podcast when it comes to the U.S. team. But, you know, even I love McKinney. I think he's a great player and he would definitely be a great addition to the team. So I say yes. <laughs> yeah, fully, fully agree with you. Um, I almost said fully disagree. Fully agree with you, Caroline. He, he is very talented and I'm going to remove my United States bias here. I think yesterday was both Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams showing the world how, how actually talented they, they, they both are right. Tyler Adams. And I know we're talking McKinney right now, but his tackle at the end of the game, you know, phenomenal. And I think a lot of his ability to be so confident is because he's next to Weston, right? Weston just kind of seems, he seems to carry a bit of arrogance you know, coupled with good confidence. And I think to your point, Caroline, you know, not that it was exactly what you said, but we need somebody who just offers a little bit outside of the cookie cutter co approach, to, you know, that we have often seen at Spurs. Um, and Americans tend to do that too as soccer players, right? So if you can get get one who's as talented as Weston, it's not going to be a, 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 a negative thing um, to pursue. But more than anything for me, I think, Weston and Tyler Adams both, but Weston in this case, offer what we're missing more than anything and kind of building off what you're saying is somebody who is who has been fighting and carrying weight throughout that fight. Is and, and I'm looking at the men's national team, right? They're very young, they're very much backs against the wall, no one believes in us mentality right now. And Weston and Tyler Adams both really seem to have embraced that and if we can have Weston McKinney with that type of mentality come to Spurs and implement said mentality, I think it fits 
perfectly with what the club's looking for right now, you know, from a mentality perspective. So, yeah, he's talented, but this one makes a lot of sense, you know, in many different ways. I don't want to say off the field because I think mentality is very much on the field, but it's 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 beyond technical ability and talent, right? Yeah, I, I think you're right. That is definitely a, a factor in it. And the one other thing that I wanted to say um, in terms of like what he could actually bring to Tottenham on a specific level, uh, set piece goals. You know, I think he doesn't always get the delivery uh, that he deserves from some of his U.S. teammates. But imagine him on the end of Perisic's crosses and free kicks like, mm -hmm. you know, that's probably three or four goals a season easy. Yeah, you're right. He's great. He's really good in the air. Mm -hmm. He's he has proven that for Juventus. I think his first actual goal for Juventus was like a flying overhead kick. Um, just yeah, very very talented player. Very, very again, very good in the air. I'm just repeating myself, but yeah, great point. Especially when you when you think about the set piece coach we have that really is implementing some special things. It's just it's it's a, it's it's a great tool for him, right? If Weston McKinney comes to the club. By the way, I want to correct something I said earlier. I said McKinney had played under Conte, and, the, and they never overlapped at Juventus. I don't know what I was thinking. But obviously, Paratici, with the connection to Juventus, uh, is there. And and Conte has said he, that he, McKinney is a player that he's he admires. So there, there's obviously a connection there. Um, the, the only question I think I would have with McKinney in our midfield is, one – obviously there's a lot of interchangeable pieces, but, but who does he fit in for? And is he, I think a lot of people are crying out for more of a Christian Erickson type. Obviously that's always been the, the rub is this club has never replaced Christian Erickson's creativity and playmaking ability and more of the traditional central attacking midfielder style. And I don't know that McKinney fits that bill exactly, but he still has enough going forward and probably more going forward than, than some of the players that we have in the team right now. And I don't think he's replacing anyone more so than he's providing depth and rotation ability. Um, I think that would well, be the biggest benefit. He's very versatile too. He is, he's capable of, of penetrating and carrying the attack from a creativity perspective. But, and I'm not saying this is why we're signing him, but one thing I think is at least worth a shout is he's, he is very good as a, as a wide right midfielder, a defensive wide right midfielder. And again, I'm not saying we're bringing him in to play wing back, but he could do it. And he, yesterday we played a four, four, two, the U S it was very, you know, abnormal. You could say it was very much zone marking and not man marking. And Weston McKinney was very good defensively on the right side. So again, not bringing him in for that reason, but if you get such a talented midfielder, box to box, capable of playing out wide as a defensive wide midfielder, seems like a very smart move for a Conte system. All right. Well, by talking about wide right and 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 being defensive, you're setting me up perfectly to transition us to our next topic because um, reports out this week that Antonio Conte is vetoing the idea of letting Emerson Royale go out. Uh, and leave the club in January unless there is a replacement for him. Um, this is this has made me very very sad. Uh, this has disappointed me very much. Uh, it has put a damper on my Thanksgiving weekend um, because, as everyone knows, I don't want Emerson Royale to play for Spurs anymore. Not that I think he's a bad guy. Not that I think he's um, you know completely untalented. I think he can be a very good right back. I just don't think he's going to do it for Spurs. And I don't think he can be a good wing back for Spurs. Um, he's, he's proven this. 
Um, what, what's, what's the thought here? Uh, Scott, you and I had a really interesting debate in our group chat earlier about the fact that, yeah, you, we need to get some of these depth guys out, but I also kind of get the idea of keeping guys around because of the fact that this season is unlike any other with a world cup in the middle of it. And you don't know what's going to happen injury wise or what's going to happen in a month like April where this club is playing so many games. Yeah. No, for sure. I obviously, you know, we always have a little bit of fun poking back and forth in the group chat, but no question moves should not be made before at least the end of the World Cup because many, many things can happen in a World Cup, right? Players don't come back fit, etc. So at the very the, the most of minimums, nothing really should ever happen before the end of the World Cup. And I do understand that it's going to be tight and numbers are important. I don't know. It's it's tough. You know, I think my my biggest point in, you know, in our in our said discussion this morning was just that my favorite really just my favorite thing about Pochettino was that he kept a really trimmed squad. And I'm adamant that he did that because it's so much easier to manage players happiness, you know, towards their mental health. If, if, if you have a smaller squad, right, more minutes are shared, people are happier, squad harmony is better. And Poch is obviously a squad harmony guy, right? That's his, his kind of his like expertise. So um, that was just something I was always a fan of. Do I think we should be taking that approach now? There's a conversation there, you know, well worth considering not doing so. But I still just, I don't know. It just baffles me because I don't, I don't have any confidence that Spence will get minutes at Tottenham under Conte this year. I understand that Conte wants to have the numbers he wants to have it at times like i said this morning it feels like it could be like to a fault just him him standing his ground and saying this is what's going to happen you know we've seen him throw fits over these types of things before so spurs have to be very careful here and probably just bow to conte but i don't really see the point of keeping jed spence around right now um because i just don't see how he plays a factor at all especially his cameo was rough um and that's not a fault of his, right? He's not getting opportunities, but the one cameo he had against whomever recently, it, he was just like one player, you know, out of the field and then 10 other guys playing for Tottenham, right? He was very much on an island and just wasn't wasn't cohesive at all. So, again, it's no fault of his own. He's just not playing a part. And it's, it's a weird one to me, but um, I don't think I have anything tangible to say other than that. <laughs> Well, so I'll, I'll turn to Caroline then because she's going to have all my answers for me. This team has three right wing backs, essentially. Well, two right wing backs and a right back. Um, if he doesn't want Emerson to go before replacements brought in, he won't play Spence. And Doherty's only getting minutes, limited minutes, because he's really, I think, still dealing probably with coming back from a, from a terrible knee injury that he suffered earlier this calendar year. Um, what, are, what are the solutions here? What do, where do we go? What is, what is Antonio Conte going to do? That's the million dollar question. Um, you know, as a fan of Tottenham, I feel like I trust Conte and pretty much all of his decisions across the rest of the lineup. But when it comes to this right wing back spot, I'm just like constantly baffled. Um, and it's because, you know, yes, Doherty may be having some lingering effects from that injury that has prevented him from having the minutes that, you know, we would like to see. It's just that, you know, we've seen him play in the past. We know he's capable. We know he's more capable than Emerson, which is the key part. Um, you know, I'm not 
a Jed Spence fangirl at this point because we just haven't seen enough of him to know, is my opinion. You know, I know a lot of people are really clamoring for him to to be getting starts, but I don't know that he's at that level yet. We just don't have enough um, sample size to go off of, in my opinion. But I think with Doherty, we do have the evidence and, you know, it's it continues to baffle me that he's not getting starts over Emerson again and again. And from the perspective of Conte, you know, wanting to keep Emerson around until we get somebody else in, like I can understand that from a numbers perspective, kind of like you're saying with this World Cup season, you know, we, we need the depth, whether it's the specific players we would like to have as that depth piece is a different story. Um, but I can see him not wanting to mix up the status quo unless we're getting in a player who's going to improve the squad in that position. Right. And that's where I'm at too. It's not like I want them to bring in, I mean, I would like them to bring in someone that Conte can rely on and trust on in January in that right wing back spot. But I don't also don't want four players for, for one spot. You know, I I think if if that's the case, somebody has got to, got to go. And if he doesn't want Doherty, he doesn't want to play Spence quite yet. I I think the other key that we, we, we don't really talk about enough is that Spence was brought in as a club signing, not a Conte signing too. Um, I think a lot of people kind of forget how explicitly Antonio Conte said, you know, this is this is not one of my guys. This is a guy that the club wanted to bring in. And I agreed to that. Um, And I think that's something that we kind of gloss over and just say, well, he's a guy in the squad. He should be getting minutes. He's very talented. I think we all kind of see that and agree with that. But we forget that this wasn't a guy that Antonio Conte wanted. And therefore, it's probably not a guy he trusts to be throwing out there in the Premier League every week. Well, it's it's weird because it's like. You guys heard me talk about this before, but this is honestly a good example of where we're at as a club, not understanding that we're going to have to let go of certain, you know, feelings if we want to take the next step, because there's going to be people that say you have to play Jed Spence. If you wouldn't have played Delhi, none of that would have ever happened. Right. And I'm talking about Delhi, Delhi, right. Before he, he went downhill, like he was, he was just phenomenal. Yeah. More goals than than Lampard and and Gerard, I believe, still right. So, and they're right to say that, right? If Delhi doesn't get an opportunity, that doesn't happen. But we were at a different place then. Like we were we were fighting to be relevant, and now we're relevant. And Conte's our manager. Conte's not fucking around and taking chances to give guys minutes. Like Conte is going to either win the Premier League or leave. So like Jed Spence is not how you do that. And I love the kid. The championship is good, and I think we say people can make that jump because the championship's talented. It's like the English apologist and all of us, right, the English soccer game, whatever. But he is not good enough to play at the level that we aspire to be at right now, like no doubt, right? He was very good in the championship. But, again, Conte is trying to win the Premier League. Jed Spence is not capable of being the right wing back on a Premier League winning team. That's just where we're at. we got to get over that shit. He probably needs to move on. But I will say the interesting thing for me is with this Emerson thing is that it may be a positive because I think it's Conte's first, the first domino with Conte falling, forcing the club to buy him a right wing back this January, saying, okay, you want you want to sell him because you got a good offer? You fucking get me somebody in if you want to do any of that. Right. So he wants Emerson gone too. There's no way he sees Emerson as a viable right wing back. So I think that it is the first domino towards us buying somebody. And if we want to even talk about winning the Premier League, we have to buy a very fucking good right wing back, and they have to be able to play now. 
Otherwise, there's no chance we have a, a, even are in the conversation, right? We will we will flutter out, stutter out, geez. Um, so it could be positive. We'll see. But I'll tell you what, Emerson, I love you, but you are not capable of playing right wing back. We know that for sure, right? And I, I really hope for his sake that he gets a move to go play right back, probably even in the championship. He's a good right back, right? But it's just it's we have to be done with that whole experiment, I think. And and there has been rumors about interest in Emerson as well. Inter has, has, has there's been reports about Inter being interested, which of course more more connections there, obviously. Um, so I, I think there's a, a a way to get Emerson out. But you're right, somebody has to be brought in, and that's that's what Conte's rule is going to be because he wants the depth um, in this kind of unique season. I think the last thing to touch on with this right wing back spot is this story regarding Spence and his Instagram this week. He removed a bunch of posts, removed all mentions of, of his relationship to Tottenham. A lot of people take that. And this is something that we've seen throughout sport. Um, we see it a lot with NFL players or even some NBA players um, who go through this. And, and a lot of times it's petty and a lot of times it's pouty as well. Um, I'm not so sure this was that. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure this, this, this is a Jed Spence's pissed off that he's not getting playing time move. Um, it could be. And if it is, guess what it is? It's petty and it's pouty and it's all the things I just described as it normally being. Um, but I think I think Jed Spence had to know the situation that he was getting into when he signed with Tottenham uh, in that, you know, just as Conte said, he's a club signing. He's not a, he's not a, he's not my guy. Um, but at the same time, I can understand his, you know, he's a 22 year old, 23 year old. He's he's frustrated that he's not getting playing time. So I get that. Um there's there's also reports that it doesn't really mean anything that that he does this often he, he deletes social media posts so i i don't really know how to read it i'm not going to overreact to it um any any overreactions that did either of you guys want to make or is this much ado about nothing i don't I, i'm not really sure yeah i mean i oh sorry i i'll just say quick i don't I don't have much to say other than perception is reality and he should probably know what the perception of this is going to be regardless of the intention. That's it. And I'll tell you one thing, Conte is Italian and that's it. He's not going to appreciate this. He, he will hold a fucking grudge. And I, I, I don't know if this is an overreaction. It might not be actually, but I do think, I do think regardless of intention, Jed Spence has done himself quite a disservice because this conversation has now started regardless of what was going on. Um, and that can't be good. So. Yeah. I just, I just don't know why so many footballers are even on social media. You know, if it were me, I would just forget all about it. You don't have to suffer the abuse that comes with being on, you know, social media platforms and you can't get yourself into trouble because he clearly is running his own account, which is a whole other thing, but. Yeah. yeah, that's probably not a good idea either. Um, speaking of youngsters uh, that may or may not be having some movement in January, um, story came out this week about Dane Scarlett. Uh, he is obviously on loan at Portsmouth, but was held out of the FA Cup. Um, and that was apparently by the wishes of Tottenham Hotspur, because there's word that he may or may not be coming back to Hotspur way in January and Spurs want to have the option of playing him in the FA cup. Uh, and he don't, don't want him to be cup tied. So 
Um, what to make of this? I don't know if this is a reaction to potential Harry Kane injury or if this is just maybe we want to get him back in the building and have him play out the last six months uh, in London, in North London with Spurs. But um, I thought it was at least notable and kind of interesting that Spurs want to at least have the option to perhaps have him in the FA Cup when it rolls around in January. What what do we think about this? Yeah, I guess it kind of depends on, you know, who Richarlison is being uh, targeted as the depth piece for at this point. Like if he's more of a, you know, rotation piece with Sun, then sure, you know, bring Scarlett in. Maybe there's a chance he gets a few odd minutes for Harry. But I don't know. I mean, seeing how well Richarlison is doing with Brazil, you kind of want to see him getting some starts in place of Harry so that Harry is not run into the ground. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a weird one. It's that eternal debate of is it better for the youngsters to get experience in a league that's more at their current level or to have them in that professional environment with the first team learning from, you know, the top level pros. And I, I don't really have an answer to it personally. Yeah, I think my my guess would be that it, it was maybe even written into the loan that he wouldn't play in the FA Cup because I don't see us – like, I don't see a situation where we all of a sudden make like a rash U-turn and decide we need Scarlett back at the club. I would guess that it was probably in the agreement that he wouldn't play in the FA Cup, knowing the second half of the season is congested and you can terminate alone and bring somebody back overnight if you really need to, right? So I, 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 I don't really make too much of it. Um, and I really hope that Dan Scarlett doesn't come back to Spurs. I really hope he plays the rest of the season at, at Portsmouth. So we shall see. It could, I was going to say it could also just be, you know, knowing when you're in the FA Cup, sometimes you're playing lower level teams that are, shall we say, a little more aggressive in their approach and simply just not wanting him to get injured for his sake, you know, so that he can keep playing with Portsmouth. Yeah, good point. That could be the case. Dane Scarlett having a decent season uh, at Pompeii. He's got uh, 13 starts, 17 appearances, three goals, two assists. Um, so, you know, those aren't those aren't like outstanding numbers. He's not doing it all for them but he's still he's still putting putting together um a decent little season in league one but i think we got to remember too this kid's 19 i mean he's you know he's really i'm sorry he's 18 he's not even 19 yet so um just you won't be 19 until march so really young kid um still developing Uh, if he's back in january great maybe he gets a cup a cup start uh or something like that um Maybe Conte just wants to punt the FA Cup like they punted the League Cup. Who knows? Uh, and just wants to throw a bunch of kids out there. I, who, who knows at this point? But that could be the case. Um, before we get out of here, did want to mention that we are recording this before the women take on Coventry United on Sunday in the Conte Cup, the League Cup. Um, that game is unfortunately not going to be televised here in the States or I think even in England, right? Right, Caroline? It's not even... It's not even available to stream over there either. Right. They have very limited uh, television rights for the the group stage of the Conti Cup. So it it looks like every round they've been choosing just one game to feature. We lucked out the first round that it was our game. So we got to watch that on the FA player. 
Um, but we have heard from uh, Michael McCann. He's the guy that does the exclusive Spurs play commentary that the game should be available for replay um, on Spurs play. And there's also going to be, um, there's a guy named Paul Wheeler who does audio commentary and he's going to have that on YouTube. So if you want to listen into the game, um, I think I retweeted that earlier. So you can find that on my Twitter profile, but otherwise it'll just be watching on replay. And so if you're hearing this uh, prior to 9 a.m. Eastern Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern in the United States, um, that's when that game is. Uh, so you can try and give that a listen or otherwise just catch the replay on Spurs play. And we'll be able to talk about that one next week. Um, plenty, plenty of space being given to the women, obviously, because there's not any men's games to talk about right now. And there won't be for another damn month, uh, which is good, though, because I'm, I'm enjoying you know, watching and following the women's team as well. So uh, it'll be good to, to see what they can do in the League Cup. Uh, they won that first game and uh, can, can continue that run in the League Cup as well. And then they're back um, They're back in action in the WSL next week, right? Yes, uh, playing Reading, who are also in our Conti Cup group. So we played them already once this season, right? Um, just not in league play. Uh, yeah. The other thing I would add, too, about the Conti Cup game this weekend is that Rianne Skinner has heavily hinted that there's there is going to be some rotation and there's going to be, you know, some players who have not had a lot of minutes recently, either because of injury or for other reasons. So I think that is probably referring to like Chioma Ubagagu. You know, she's still pretty fresh off of her suspension and hasn't had a ton of game time. So I'm looking forward to seeing her hopefully getting a start. Um, and then there's also Karis Harrop was out with her back injury from the start of the season. So I'd like to see her start as well. Nothing wrong with any of that. Got to get, uh, got to get everybody involved. I like the idea of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to do it for us here at the Tottenham Depot. Again, we'll talk about that match next week and whatever the heck else is going on uh, in the world of football surrounding Spurs, the world cup still going on. Uh, we will, I guess by the time we record next week, we'll know most of what the knockout round of the World Cup is by that point, if not all of it. Um, so I'm sure there will be some Spurs-related stuff coming out of that. But we will uh, we'll cover all of that next week. Uh, you can follow Caroline at CG Stefko. You can follow Scott at, at DSM Spurs. Follow me at Aesthetic. And most importantly, follow us at Tottenham Depot. Leave us a rating and review on your platform of choice and uh, reach out to us on the socials. Let us know what you want to hear about on the next episode. Until then, this has been the Tottenham Depot Podcast. As always, come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>